This is centered subject. The existential hour with harrowing news and exuberant humanity. Mm. I'm Yelena Jalazov. I'm in Los Angeles and um, I'm here with my beloved co-host Jenny Campbell. Jenny, hello. Hi. I like it when you talk like that. Let's whisper the first half of the episode. And scream the second half. Yeah. I'm not in New York. I'm in Athens, Georgia, which is a place of whispering and purring. It's a place of purring. Um, No. How is it? How are you? It's a place where I feel really pointy and particularly New York-ish in contrast. So I'm kind of enjoying that. Mm. I also feel that way when I'm in L.A. I feel like a rat. And so I'm kind of back into my New Yorker on the road. (laughs) <laughs> intellectual rat mode. Well, I just can't imagine Athens being as tragic as Los Angeles, though. Oh. You know, Los Angeles really feels so tragic with all the heightened aspirations and the grand letdowns and fortunes. Hey, it's very similar because this is like a music town, so hmm. it's 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 like a condensed version of that just in terms of rock and roll and... Hmm. And regionally, I think that there are these little kind of little LA's all over the country, maybe all over the world, where people come to live their dreams and to fail, possibly, or you know, to find other ways to work in the arts. And I think this is one of those places too. Mm. I know of lots of tales of that, of great success and great challenge and stuff. Yeah, but uh, in the sun, in the like unrelenting sun. I think both share the relent. Relenting sun, yes. <laughs> I am a relenting sun. I had to take sun. a pause. I looked outside to make sure it was still there and indeed, yeah. indeed illuminating. Yeah, but it is like August, so there's always these really huge thunderstorms that roll in here pretty much on time. Like usually, I think I'm past the time and it usually shows up, but like in the middle of the night, there was one last night and then they're usually around 2 p.m., which I find really wonderful. Yeah, it's like a monsoon kind of season. So I'm looking forward to that. How are you? Well, I guess I'm I'm sort of well, trying to be well, but I was think, trying to think of a word. <clears throat> you know, the, the word is, um, the self-care term is really popular everywhere, mm-hmm. I think, in LA in particular. I think I'm engaging in something like self-scare or <laughs> <laughs> self-terror. Self-terror. <laughs> um, yeah. But I've been... Uh, just kind of careening off all summer into sort of drinking and smoking. But it's, mm. I've noticed how I feel like whenever I, di- whenever I didn't smoke, um, there were all these people smoking. But now that I've suddenly taken up smoking the last few weeks, no one else is smoking. Mm. Like yesterday I went to this. Some friends of mine are have created a, a witch coven of some sort. Anyway, they made this mini series about being witches there's some spells anyhow you would think that there would be lots of people you know wearing dramatic outfits and smoking outside Mm -hmm. but i was the only one that was fuming and people looked at me funny (laughs) i got a tarot reading (laughs) i don't know it makes you sound more soviet to me like you're like i'm really into this guys let's go yeah i mean i think also you know i i enjoy my kind of forlorn attitude at the moment i think Mm. because i went through a big breakup and a lot of my friends sort of look at me with this evaluating eyes Mm. you know how is she doing how are you doing Mm. you know and so I think I've kind of in some way accepted that position so I'm acting appropriately so I take out my cigarette I'm like I'm fine 
you know, right. but then acts very tragic. There's a really great Yoko Ono song, an album that she made right after John died that I listened to just recently. And it's awesome. There's this whole thing. Of, it was, I forget what, I think the song is called Cool Chick. And it's all about how she feels bad and she's like self-scaring and uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking. And she's like, the chorus of the song is, I'm glad I'm such a cool chick. I'm glad that I'm such a cool, cool chick because it like hides that I'm all this other stuff yeah. that I have inside, you know? So, but do you think I'm trying to be cool in this weird 70s way, which people don't understand? So was she. Hello. I know. Well, that's at least that was time, you know, kind of timely and mine is just, but I'm always slightly in Soviet Union anyway. So it just kind of makes right. sense. Plus, I think I was hoping that they would appreciate my smoking last night because I feel like when you think of the supernatural and the witches, shouldn't you have a little bit of kind of this cloud of a smoke? Yeah. So I was providing that. So I'm not sure why everyone was looking at me. As I know. Pants. Well, they weren't burning sage because I'm, I'm no. okay with that. Oh, I should make some sage cigarettes. Maybe then I'll feel I'll be more accepted in the community. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can easily create some cigarettes. Yeah. Maybe Marianne Williamson sells some sage cigarettes that you can like. Oh, yeah. Clear out the world's issues and also smoke. Just clear tragically. the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah the combination of those two would be ideal. Yeah. This is a great startup idea that we're giving some I know. some witch somewhere. Advice usually comes at the end, but here it comes at the beginning. Right. But I hope you keep on listening because today <laughs> um, we'll be centering on going off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> How to go off the rails? Oh, Just dear. so. <laughs> With with a sage cigarette, that's with a how. sage cigarette dangling from your mouth, yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's so American somehow, you know. It does. Like a 1930s hobo, like jumping a train from Salinas behind the wheel of some big old car, like you know, Maybe. some, some huge Oldsmobile, yeah, driving Ford Model T, almost off the rails, but like ah, oh, like you get right back on the rail, like you're driving with your knee, you know, and smoking your sage cigarette. Sounds all right by me. Yeah, yeah. What should we talk about first? We've collected some newsworthy items, or yeah, on the some, docket, some dis- disgraceful <laughs> enjoyments yeah. for you. You want to start our... with the disgrace? I think what for me when when I'm thinking about these topics, it's sort of like us as a culture going off the rails, and then now you see the responses to all of the madness mm. that are uh, people like doubling down in on these like sobering missions to bring things yeah. back in order right never works controlling yeah. just creates the opposite <laughs> well right but then it's like yeah. because things because our president because violence has reached all these yeah. crazy levels you know it's like we feel responsible and um mm. yeah i don't know like i'm on the line I feel responsible too. Like I'm on this line between millennial and Gen Xer, and there's all this stuff about how like the Gen X people didn't do anything, and you know we're just too. Well, the millennial people are just tweeting away, you know, couch activism. Right, (laughs) right. That changes great. Changes great. Like I think I suppose it does change the perception of reality. And like since we're in such an existential moment, we just live in our heads and can't hear anyone else. I suppose you can develop your feed to look just right. Yeah. And we're having trouble being effective, I think, and we're like worried about well, it. So. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Kind of social media subsumes. I mean, it's like it's like a giant mattress that just soaks up <laughs> all the tears, but then just <laughs> remains immobile, increasingly stained. 
Uh, do you have the mattress that's like a foam mattress? I have one of those, and it's like the new oh, mattress that's so comfortable. You know, I'm freaked out by the idea of the foam mattress. <laughs> is it actually a plank of wood? Like, what is no. a foam mattress? No foam. foam. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought a... it was foam. <laughs> it's a dream. It's a. It's not real. I thought it was just one of those ads, you know, that you get for all the objects that I always get. You They're need so a foam dreamy. mattress. They're like, oh, if only you had this mattress. Mattress. We, um, no, it's foam. A mattress you could never burn down with your cigarette. <laughs> and you lay on it. Don't lay on a foam, a foam mattress with your cigarette because it's really uh, flammable. But it's a, it's a mattress that it's really hard to get up from. So it's like, yeah. it seems really comfortable. <laughs> but it's, down. It's, it takes so much effort to get up. It's like, that's what the internet's like. It's like this wonderful, oh comfortable mattress, but like, it won't let you back up. It's like so it true. You back in. Oh no! Um, and then your your ennui yeah. cigarette is makes danger. All right. So moving on. Um, <laughs> disgrace insurance. Oh yeah, yeah. That was very interesting. We came across this concept. Essentially, there's a company that engages in predictive activity, which I so enjoy because it's kind of prophecy. I love how technology and kind of and and prophesizing overlap mm-hmm. and judgment. Yeah. And also judgment of the gods. Yeah. I know it also feels really ancient Greece somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's uh, some researchers. Um, they're gathering data on who's most likely to commit the next sin and will be canceled. And so they're providing insurance, you know, in case that happens. And mm-hmm. you know, they're sort of. I think in their research they. They get very precise with percentages of likelihood of like how likely you are to commit an unforgivable offense. But I think what's interesting to me about it is the kind of a callousness of it, you know, and also mm-hmm. fate like quality about it, you know. Right. And there's there's no like rehabilitation or anything like that. There's no sense <laughs> Just that like pay out. <laughs> they're like, you know what, it's gonna cost you, so you might as well get it together now. Or it's unavoidable too, you know what I mean? Like it's like Deus ex machina. Wow. So how do they tell? They look at their social media, and that's what I want to know. Oh, good idea. I do want to know that. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know how they aggregate their risk score, but the language about it is really nice. Um, okay, so it would be a number generated by combining risk score with its quote-unquote outcry index to gauge public reaction. So the outcry wow. index is a great, great term Sure. as well. Like, just mathematized outcry the emotion scared yeah you know i mean how calculating it is it's like the computer doesn't care about ethics or what's right or wrong at all it just cares about what the social media will do wow and the mean it's kind of like also calculating everyone into this kind of statistical point of just the generic the general right general point yeah i mean i have a lot of complicated views right because Mm. of the epstein case and all of this that just came out and then him killing himself and how sketchy that was and but was he i don't know did he kill himself i don't know yeah you want justice you have this sense and i think for for victim of sexual assault, you know, and rape, it's like there's this sense that there isn't any justice in the world that happens for people. Or it's really hard for yeah. someone to come forward. So, like, yes, it's true that that outcry is warranted very often. But then, yeah, it, it this feels like something that was created by people who are looking at outcry as um, a 
a problem for them financially versus, you know, some sort of commentary on if they, you know, are indeed convicted of a crime, like them holding them responsible for what they did. You know what I mean? And it's like the computer has isn't involved in justice. I think, yeah, this, this notion of justice seems also kind of compromised. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's com- it feels somehow compromised through yeah. the intricacy of the legal profession as it exists now, you know, because it right. does become, in the end, a kind of rhetorical argument, right. which also feels far away from justice. Okay. I mean, the Epstein case is... It's just weird because I was thinking a lot about when I was a teenager, a young teenager, you know, after Soviet Union collapsed and it was this kind of wild west of capitalism. It was really popular. The idea of prostitution was very popular. Like pretty Mm -hmm. people would watch pretty women and there was like a Russian film about a prostitute, you know, finding patronage and making her way in the world. Mm -hmm. When I was 13, a friend of mine... Um, and I met some, I guess they were, well, they were older, obviously, but these Saudi soccer players, and what? they got us drunk, and then we, like, sort of hooked up. I mean, we didn't have sex, because they were, I think as Muslim men, they were concerned about our, our virginity and, like, the sin hmm. of taking our virginity, but... It was like a, just a really bizarre situation. We were wasted, and then, you know, they gave us some money. And wow, they gave you money. Yeah, so I guess wow. in essence, but it was just kind of <laughs> such a bizarre experience. And I was just thinking about that because, you know, at the time, everyone was so starstruck by money, and like the borders were open for the first time, so you'd meet these foreign people, and it's mm-hmm. like an impressionable teenager, you're so vulnerable to all these signs, but... Yeah, I mean, did you feel powerful after it happened, because you had this money now, and you had had this experience? I, I think I felt a bit sordid, there was something... We were on the bus going home afterwards, and, you know, I think it was, like, it was money and then, like, just some weird Saudi candy or something, but there was this little kid. I had the candy in my hand, and this kid was staring at me, and I offered him candy, and his mom sort of just jerked him away from me, Hmm. and I felt like she knew, you know, and Mm. and I think, if anything, you know, I just sort of felt sordid because of the public judgment, but... Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was definitely a weird situation. Right. And you were really young. I mean, that's like a really young age for that kind of stuff to have. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's pedophilia, I guess. Yeah, that's the problem, I think. That pedophilia is a problem, you know. <laughs> and like bringing all this money and every, it's just like, I don't know, it becomes, and I, because I was thinking about that with one of his victims, you know, the one that just came out after yeah. he killed himself, you know, she was in high school and she was taking all this money and it was like her job and when you're that young, I was thinking from her perspective at that age, when being victimized by men in this way wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was known to be bad, it was known to be out there, and we were supposed to avoid it. But there was a sense of power in, you know, engaging with power, and like being wanted or being seen as beautiful. And we were kind of really naive to walk well yeah we women i think are so susceptible to that as well i mean that's what especially we young told. women and well, then i can course. see that with lots of money getting to be part of it and yeah. always thinking like and you know some, and, yeah. yeah and that you can always turn it off like she had the same perspective and and i've heard this in so many like me too stories coming out that the most hilariously the woman who had the experience with trump in the dressing room at uh bergdorf's 
Um, right. the, like the sense that you can always like turn left really quickly and run away and, oh, this is, and then like the sense that, oh, this is ironic. This is funny. Right. You sort of put yourself outside of the situation, I think at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that's the big thing that we've gained is that I hope, you know, young women. And, and I think I certainly look back at my life, hopefully, you know, can look at it and be like, this is wrong and it's like exciting, but it's also you know, I'm being taken advantage of. So to know really clearly when that's happening and when it's not, you know, I think that there's more knowledge, you know, in the world about what that kind of stuff is and what it is. I think it's- there's just lots of knowledge about that all the time. I mean, there's like tons of classical literature that have that. It's not the knowledge. I think mm-hmm. just the di- interpersonal right. dynamics. I don't know if it will ever change. There will always be kind of manipulation more and powerful men and women and yeah, more moneyed people. Um, I mean, it does come down to sort of a class issue as well. You know, people That's that true. have more power and more money will just be able to wield that. And right. it, and since it's, that's what's deemed valuable in the society, you know, and that's the mm-hmm. what we need to achieve. I don't know. It's easy to compromise one's idea of good, I think, when you're confronted with like... Yeah, that when you're desperate in any way mm-hmm. or you're seeking power, even if you're a privileged yeah. freshman, you know, in high school seeking power of your own, you know, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. But I mean, hopefully there will be more positions of power available to young women, you know, and they don't have to. I mean, unless unless they're in it and they want to be a sex worker. True, and Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, some people are happy to do that as well. Yeah. Not. Right. Yeah. No disrespect. But like. But it's that sense of stealing, I think, that is really... And then women right. engaging in a situation where they're kind of being stolen from. And Yeah, and I think, I mean, youth has a lot to do with it as well. Like, that's right. the problem when you're that young, you're just not able to really make that rational of a judgment. Right, and I think when I make a million dollars, I'm going to give it all to, like... Mm. porn companies feminist porn companies so that like they're all like steeped in all this awesome good feminist porn so that they're not like watching this stuff or engaging in this mm. stuff where they're like oh well that's what I'm for I'm just supposed to be treated like that that's who I am you know like yeah. I feel like if there was a more diverse sexual imagination in the world then I don't know mm. we would kind of take different roles or want to inhabit different roles that's my well I don't know I think most people just yeah, I think they're just demons within everyone. And I think it's just, there's just something about, well, maybe that's just my position at the moment. But I mean, I guess to me, being good, I don't know, being being bad is as attractive as being good in a way. I know, but you don't have to be bad in a way that somebody's... It's really somebody's terrible. Yeah. stealing from you or, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't need to steal you. from people. I don't need to traumatize them. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't, I don't know. Like, can we be bad right up into that point, maybe? I mean... Yeah. I think we can just talk about being bad. Also, whatever that means, I don't know. <laughs> I think you've already said that you're... Just smoking, smoking a cigarette whenever no one else cigarette. is smoking. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Only when no That's one else is smoking. That's how bad I am. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I have, like... I've had... We talked about this a little bit before, but I, I had an interest in that... For a while, uh, up and when it was sort of like when I was controlling my own reality in a way by by not quite telling the truth, and and I enjoyed that. It felt like I was being bad to some extent, where I was free because I wasn't telling everybody like my parents or somebody else in my life mm-hmm. like what was really going on, and I was t- I own the truth, mm-hmm. and I was pretty into that and how that was quote unquote bad for a really long time up until like. I really looked in the eye of the pain, some of the pain that I had caused from doing that, from like splitting the truth. Mm. And then I kind of got sickened. It was almost like a clockwork orange where I like got sickened by my mm. own action or something. And then I just like 
got scared straight from it, you know, a little bit, you know, so to speak. Devochka awakens. Yeah, and now I'm just like grossed out by that kind of not by lying. Yeah. I think is the big thing. But no. so, who else went off the rails? Who else do we have? Oh, we have Kanye going off the rails. Oh yeah, architecturally. Right. <laughs> so this is a story. I mean, this has been kind of circulating for for a little while. This idea that Kanye had um, about affordable housing, uh, which is amazing i think he just created these few well i don't know maybe he had a larger master plan i mean to me it just seemed like he's creating this few vaguely brutalist or eagle inspired dwellings and you know calling them affordable housing Mm -hmm. but you know he's indeed building a few but it seems like they would just be for the select few i mean i imagine Mm -hmm. people you know would be like splitting slitting slicing each other's throat mm. to get into one. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> you are so dark. Be like today. violent. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but, but it's just interesting. You know, architecture is always such a, such a visible expression of e- e- ego. <laughs> it is. Or they look like eagles. <laughs> like eagle ego. Ego, eagles. Eagles. Well, they also like look like the Star Wars houses on Tatooine, which I really relate to. No, I've never watched Star Wars. Well, look, it's really important, and you live in LA, which is completely defined right now. The fashion, fashion world, and a lot of the architecture world is like nineteen seven, like late nineteen seventies oh again, yeah. which is completely part of the Tatooine aesthetic, which was my ideal aesthetic about two or three years ago. Like that was my. <laughs> I said before, like every season I create my own aesthetic and one of them was Tatooine. Can you sum it up in five words? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Tunic, uh, white, beige, linen, uh, adobe, gesso. Okay. Plants. I I did it. Wicker. Wicker. So it's basically like LA in the desert, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a very specific thing. And I swear to God, it's Tatooine. But also in Tatooine, like you just said, what happens in that story, sorry, spoiler of Star Wars assholes. Um, But it's like, there's a bunch of terrible things that happen. They have this like idealistic little igloo house and they all live in their tunics and then they die tragically oh no that does not bode well for the no. inhabitants of Kanye West's house I also thought it was I mean I understand the cinematic um, relevance but also you know they do look like nomadic housing even though apparently mm-hmm. LA inspect- kind of housing inspectors came and they found foundations but I thought it was a little bit off-putting how they took um, are taking the form of nomadic housing you know when mm-hmm. they're situated really close to um where kanye has a very um solid non-nomadic house for like a right. like a 60 million dollar house i don't know right. there's just something offensive about it well he wants to create a cult of his own creation like his his like oh, narcissism his cult. oh of course of course he wants to do a cult of course so he needs to build housing for the cult yeah and he has but he also wants to kind of condescendingly create affordable housing for you know he wants to get involved in like political action and like social welfare or something right. but like in a very design oriented on his own yeah. you know in proximity to his comfort you know well he does that thing i don't know every week every month where he does a big concert on his land and he like plays crazy shows apparently. So he's really into kind of bringing people to his world and who he selects to like have a collective Kanye time. So I, 
And he likes to wear beige, I have to say, kind of large clothing. Yeah. I saw that there was a Russian man, I think, involved in this whole venture, Vadik Marmeladov, of whom I know very little. He's an industrial designer, but I do know that a few years ago, um, it was sort of a trending thing um, in Moscow hipster circles where I think he could get like a capsule. Basically, he had his subscription of black clothing that mm-hmm. you could get. You get like a black thing a month, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. which does seem really attractive <laughs> to me. Great. It sounds me like too. it would go very well with my, um, yeah. my sage cigarette. <laughs> my, yes. <laughs> but, what black thing would you want this month? I think for some reason they keep thinking there were lots of things, you know, there were sneakers, t-shirts, whatever, but it is the black toothbrush that really, for some reason, stands <laughs> out to me in my imagination. Yes. Um, so for some reason, I guess right now, maybe something to do with the cigarette, like I would just smoke my cigarette, then brush my teeth with the black toothbrush. Nice. But wait, he was involved with Kanye's project? I think he's involved in this project, yeah, in the design team. Oh. That's what I read this year. Although it seems like the design has shifted from last year, last year's, it seems sort of more of like um, an open courtyard, again, the Greek theme, slightly Greek and brutalist, so kind mm-hmm. of low slung, very angular, thick concrete forms with kind of an open step down area in the middle. And then mm-hmm. this year it's igloo, so something shifted. Maybe Vadik mm. was fired, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not happened. really his own. Mm-hmm. I want to know if I'm looking at the photo of them and I they just have like the wooden frame around them. I want to know if they're going to put like white adobe gesso adobe on there. I don't know if that's the right way to talk about it. But yeah, it looks like it's about to be become white orbs. Maybe of some sort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They also would look like eggs then, but I'm not sure. They would. Well, that's the Tatooine thing. But also, it's not in the desert, so it doesn't need to have that because of, like, the cooling effect or whatever. Yeah. They can be black, if you wish, I think. Oh. Different shapes. That's kind of nice. kind of like Louise Nevelson. That would be nice, yeah. yeah. I would live in one. Um, Me too. I'm actually, I'd like to live in a small area, which I don't have to clean that much. Yeah. Maybe Kanye would let us in, please. Actually, I don't care, whatever. I don't have a feeling that that he's very good at, like, keeping up with his land properties. You know what I mean? I have a feeling he'd just kind of flake out about it. Probably you're the manager, you know. He's, like, yeah. a manager to manage the managing of the man- manager. Yeah. Probably, like, a long queue of managers managing each other. <laughs> <laughs> with quills, black quills and toothbrushes. Black quills and round yeah. buildings. There were many news in the past few weeks how all the smart devices have stopped sending our recorded conversations without our permission to human um, contractors. Hi, Alexa. Alexa, how are you? I'm deep in thought, trying to understand the nature of time, but that can wait. More importantly, how are you? She's such a show-off. What a philosophical freak. Oh my Thank god. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> well, go die. But anyhow, <laughs> once again, I saw an article yesterday about how Facebook now admits that their contractors also listen to users' recordings without their knowledge. But, you know, I read it, you know, and it's sort of old news at this point, but then I was like, I should have a critical perspective on this. And then, um, <laughs> I, you know, I thought about how, like, how we just want everyone to to look at what we do now, you know, and like mm-hmm. to look at our stories and <laughs> and we're just so desperate for attention and 
Like maybe some people are happy that these contractors are eavesdropping. Some of them, it said like we're having sex during it, and that was like the big one that everybody was really upset about. But there are types. Maybe of they were secretly that, excited. Yeah, they're into it. That's like part of why they're doing that. You totally, know. So yeah. I mean, yeah, it relates to this other thing that I found. I mean, this was just like big, big news on the on your phone. It tells you what the news is and what the four things that are the news. Um, but one of them I liked, it was about how this uh, social scientist proved in her study that the bystander effect is not real. Wait, what is the bystander effect? The bystander effect is sort of a really common theory that it certainly is in my head that whenever a crime or something bad happens or like an accident on a train that everyone's first instinct is to step back or ignore the situation. Mm. And I have had both experiences in New York, but... My anecdotal experience pretty much is that people more often step in and do something. And indeed, this lady's research using CCTV footage in Europe, in three different countries in Europe, was that like 80 to 90 percent of the time, somebody will step in and save the person that is in trouble, like getting beaten up by somebody or stuck in a train situation, you know, and people actually step in um, and not step out. I would think that I didn't even know that that was a. You know, yeah. the, there was a concept of the bystander that just seems, right. is it American? Because honestly, I no. just, I think every time that I've like walked down the street and yeah. one of the European cities that I cried in the street of, you know, yeah. there would always be someone be like, what's wrong? You know, if you like sort of follow over, people will pick things up. Right. No, in New York, in New York, for sure. Like, you know, I would say 60 to 80 percent of the time something will happen, someone will respond. I don't know. I also remember when that came out being like, oh, that's too bad. I didn't know people were that terrible. Oh, it's a big, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it's, oh, what has happened to us as a society, right? Totally. Well, nothing. It's but just, actually, yeah. it's just yeah. an idiom. We're way more interested in one another and kind of like this, this like Facebook people listening to people. Um, I don't know. It just reminds me of that. Like maybe, maybe we're not so uncomfortable. We're certainly not that uncomfortable with people hearing us or people wouldn't purchase things like, you know, right. So they wouldn't use Siri or, you know, I think that, yeah, people are a lot more on the fence about strangers hearing what they're doing. Obviously we're podcasting right now. Of like, course. What we're yeah. So oh, meta moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also like the idea of a tiny person being inside my Alexa device. No, she's going to say something again. Alexa, is there a little man inside you? <laughs> Good God. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Alexa, is there a tiny person inside you? Hmm, I don't know that. Mm. Well, okay, well, that was a boring answer. I thought it was a pretty fun question. Yeah, she's not done really considering her existential kind of boundaries. Okay. You know, that's okay. Sure. Alexa, is there someone? She can't hear me. She but. can't hear you. You can translate. No, they only the people only hear you when you're using a translation device. Oh yeah. So right. That was it, is that they were checking in on the translation software. So maybe she does, but it's only a translator. Hmm. Maybe. This was on the outline, um, which is a website that I just started looking at sometimes. But this, I think this is somebody who was talking about Winnicott, who's a, a psychotherapist that I am studying in school that I really like. The writer, she puts out, you know, a, a theory about being on social media that is kind of well 
trod and she even like talks about it that like yeah they're like yeah the more you're on social media why is it that it's the more lonely you feel Mm -hmm. but I like the way she talked about it she talked about the fact that social media is affecting our capacity to be alone and she defines that using Winnicott's language uh, which I'll quote here is is the uh, capacity to be alone is the highly sophisticated phenomenon and has many contributory factors. It's closely related to emotional maturity. Mm. The basis of the capacity to be alone is the experience of being alone in the presence of someone. So that goes back to Winnicott's theory of um, when you were very small, being near your caretaker, and you know you have this hopefully compassionate but certainly present person that is just sort of nearby or in the next room when you are playing or something, but you're kind of both alone, but definitely in the same group or in the same family. Mm -hmm. And that is the most emotionally maturing thing to kind of have a deeply alone moment. That would prepare you for future being alone by yourself, for instance, or, or, but does it condition you, you know, to being with other people? Well, I think uh, what she talks about, and it's something I'm really excited about, it is that when you can be truly alone in this way with someone else nearby or close by or no one else near you, if you can have this kind of experience of solitude and and not loneliness, but being alone that is Mm. truly, you know, kind of communion with oneself and kind of enriching, which is what they mean when they say self-care, but they don't quite know what they're talking about because they think it's just like putting cucumber circles on your eyes or something. But Yeah, which is really self-scare. <laughs> yeah, to take self-scare to self-care is this process of like accepting aloneness and cu- having curiosity about what we're feeling. And that's that's challenging. And the the thing with social media, it's really well talked about. It talks about how, like we talked about before, that social media gives you the sense of connection with others by yeah. affecting your dopamine uptake. And it also gives you a sense of action, I think. Yeah. Yeah. When it actually doesn't give you a sense of communion, deep communion with another person. No. So they talk about deep aloneness and then deep connection. <laughs> and deep space. <laughs> totally absolutely it's more like yeah it's like being going you know communicating across the emptiness yeah but like the opposite to the true um alone which is like a positive alone is having a conversation in person is having a conversation that is you know surprising and you don't know what's going to happen and like could you have that conversation with yourself sure and that's the that's one of the models it's like you're having connection and intimacy and curiosity about the other person or you're in the world and you're doing something together and it's creating this kind of novel, uh, interesting experience. Even if it's a challenging or bad experience, it's mm. still, you know, shared between the two people and they're relying on one another for information or, you know, you and I have like gone through all sorts of weird, interesting experiences that like were partly really terrible, but like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we got closer from having them, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's like real community. Yeah. And then social media gives you kind of the sense in like a very superficial way that you're sharing something, but it's, it's really not enough. Right. It's also often so monosyllabic as well. People's interactions are so... Yeah. Lol. Or, wow. <laughs> Lol. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow, it's lol. The, Amazing. Yeah. OMG. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a, a I can. <laughs> Emoji. Gorgeous. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? To be honest, I made a list of um, 
the the short things that people say. It's good. We should we should make a music a music piece. Yeah, we could make it. Oh, like that's me going off the rails again and <laughs> doing a performance. <laughs> But it's like love it, you know, amazing, yeah. gorgeous. I appreciate it. You feel the presence of other people, and sometimes that's all you get. So you're like, well, I'll take it. But sometimes you need this like little poke of a feather, and you're like, oh. Yeah, it is that thing where it's not like eating a meal. It's like having a little, like a little snack or like candy version of the person. Mm -hmm. And then, like I think the article is really about how a whole generation has grown up used to that kind of engagement. This piecemeal breadcrumb interaction. Yeah, they think that's what social interaction is. And one of the people who created Facebook was actually really sad and looking at how society has completely changed and like bemoaning this lack of deeper connection. And narcissistic as well because a lot of interaction concerns selfies um, and reacting right. to people sort of photographing themselves which in itself is not wrong i mean self-portraiture has always been a thing um i mean there was always like introspection and reflection and mirror making was kind of so important for human development but there's something strange about i think the ability to react to that you know there's a because i think before a selfie or self-portrait it was a it was a sign of introspection perhaps you know or it was like a Mm -hmm. process again like kind of a lonely process of maybe painting yourself you know staring Mm -hmm. at yourself in the mirror for a long time and then eventually i suppose you exhibit the portrait maybe and people will right tell you they enjoyed it or it doesn't look like you at all but now it's just this sort of (laughs) immediate thing you know where you just you snap you filter (laughs) and then you put it out there and then you like start wondering if you should get lip fillers (laughs) Right. Which is what happened to me yesterday when I did a play bunny filter on my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also back then, or like even in the 50s, you know, like maybe it would come with a letter to someone else. And then yeah. there was like this letter writing and the mail and you waited for it. And or, you know, maybe it was like a portrait that was sent to someone who you're maybe going to be with or mm-hmm. maybe going to marry and they'd never seen you before. So there was like all of this time to engage and like imagine the person and like to process and kind of have a, lo- a an alone lived experience with the idea of the person so even the idea of engaging with like a selfie you know in back in the day was like a truly alone experience and kind of possibly more communal you know yeah. like i'm just like thinking of letter writing you know like between like the famous Letter writing yeah. relationship between, I don't know why I know this, but like, you know, Jefferson and Adams, I'm such an American, but like, you know, they, they had this awesome thing where they would write every day. Well, yeah. Epistolary relationships were, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd like to transition this into our current president's fantastic acumen with letter writing. <laughs> From presidents of yore into the yes. current day. Ah, uh, he has a tendency, according to this news, to uh, tear off the cover of various magazines and write horrible short phrases on them with a sharpie. Oh, he tweets like he tweets by writing. He basically kind of just—it's like he tweets but with a pen. Well, he's not even tweet when he's actually writing. He's I know, not but even... it's like an, I feel like it's like an IRL tweet. You know what I mean? Because it's a short yeah. message. Like oh, totally. Just writes it. Yeah, well, what he wrote on Justin Trudeau's... And it's nasty, right? The ever-dashing Justin Trudeau's... Sort of. He wrote uh, in Silver Sharpie, which I know he's done since, like, the early 90s, because I remember knowing that for some reason, which is, like, his way. He thinks it's awesome. Wow. Why not gold, though? Why not gold? Maybe silver's more visible? No. I God, you know he's always had, like, a bucket of Sharpies. God damn it. Um. All right. Something to the... Fa- oh, he wrote, Looking good. Hope it's not true. 
that he was, oh, that Justin Trudeau was the anti-Trump. So he like ripped off the cover of that. <laughs> Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, looking good. I noticed that he's always really obsessed with handsome men. I think that's like one of his <gasps> things. It's really true. He's yeah. really, if, if a dude is hot and doing well, he's obsessed with them. Well, he's just obsessed with aesthetics, I think, with, you know, yeah. good looks in general. Like a, right. a handsome woman, a handsome yes. horse, a handsome <laughs> man. You know, I think they just right. all, he'll, he'll put some some silver sharpie all over them. You know, just give, yeah. give him a chance. True beauty, true beauty. So, so he kept sending this, and then the article was about how Trudeau thought it would be really cute to write him back in the same way so like it didn't work dear donald trudeau wrote in the letter it's been a busy year enjoy the christmas holidays you deserve it one thing trudeau added you gave a great speech in pensacola but you were slightly off on the balance of trade with canada you <laughs> all the best for 2018 and it's like cool yeah yeah, he just like wrote it in a little. Oh, and then he drew what a, a meaningless li- exchange. Yeah, he drew a cheeky little smiley face next to it. Oh, I, I went to cry and smoke more cigarettes now because if this is what politics have come to, I wish that they would be president emoji. Gross. I wish they were a little bit more lofty. I mean, honestly, the other news story that I wanted to bring up was this teen who. We know had all her electronics taken from her and she like ended up oh, yeah. yelling at her fridge, smart fridge to like tweet for yeah. her. I think yeah. it's just it's like it's so similar. It's basically the same. It's sort of the same kind of level of engagement, you know. I mean for teenagers, well the article about having, you know, quality time alone was also yeah. about how when you're a teenager you really that's how you engage with the world, that like you spend all your time kind of relating to things on a dopamine level and you're trying to figure out who you are and your body and all this stuff. Wait, that ends eventually? Hasn't happened to Um, me yet. (laughs) Yeah, well, it it actually gets... Well, we actually, like, our brains develop the ability to plan ahead. No, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Because Yes, it does. Um, I've experienced it. But it's like our... We have negative experiences with all these dopamine experiences eventually. Probably, like, I mean, relating to what we were talking about at the beginning. We're like, oh, what? This guy, this random... 50 year old guy thinks I'm hot, you know, and then you have, or, you know, I ate a whole bag of cookies. I didn't feel really great, you know, or I drank too much and threw up. So it's like, you kind of have learned experience that following every little thing is probably going to hurt in some ways. And so you like pick and choose your life or you get bored. And yeah. So then like the internet and Twitter and everything plays into that, their brains like that and does help them create social connections and uh, and then, like, this girl had uh, Dorothy, is that her name? Had like thousands of followers, also. So, that's like a frame of experience that I've never even thought about having, like being that young. Mm-hmm. And then, like, having a public, you know, just from liking Ariana Grande, just like from tweeting about Ariana Grande, you know, through your fridge. Right. So, she like was desperate to get in connection with her following yeah. and used, used her LTE fridge. Her mutuals. Which sounds vaguely suck. No, no, it's like sounds anatomical, you know. It's, it's I like it. Yeah, it's like a Mutuals. part of her body. I have to get in touch with. <laughs> I need, I need the new, new something, <laughs> new garment for my mutuals. Hello, fridge. Hello. I need more <laughs> uh, Life is strange. It is. I have a question for you, though. Based on this, can you remember the last really wonderful? like human engagement I that you've had with somebody else where 
you were surprised and you actually had the thought, this is so much better than social media? I mean, all the time. <laughs> I find that I really enjoy um, coming over to people's houses to like discuss a project. I think mm-hmm. that's always really nice. Yeah. yeah, I think that for some reason this one um, situation stands out when a couple of years ago my friend organized a book club and, and we were reading some marks. Nice. <laughs> and then we all came together and it was also summer and um, it was really hot and we were sweating and drinking lemonade and, you know, talking about these PDFs uh, that we had printed it was it was really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's just something that happens in presence of other people when you're kind of yeah. also thinking about maybe social good. Right. I think that's. I mean, it's another. It's just like, do you do anything really? You know, does anything happen? You know, have I caused any positive changes in society? I don't think so. But I think, you know, just sitting together and talking about it is really nice. And I can imagine. You know, I always think about how. Right. I mean, I always romanticize the like the Russian revolutionaries, you know, and like kind of the decades that preceded the revolution of how people would meet, you know, over like tea and mm-hmm. conspirate together, conspire together, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, over ideas and books. And so it does feel like maybe that does lead to something eventually, but... Well, we will be sure to invite more revolutionaries to the to this podcast. Okay, sounds good. And have tea with them. That oh yeah, are you good. a revolutionary? Please reach out. Follow us on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a golden sharpie? Send us a letter. <laughs> That's the only way. I'm going to do. Do you have a letter. smart fridge? <laughs> I've never engaged with a smart fridge. Scream have you? at it. I did read um, something weird about there was like a date was it dating or something? There were like this smart fridge. One of the smart fridge companies wanted to create a community around their fridges, and people I think would share yeah. <laughs> images of what's inside their fridges, and which seems really. Too vulnerable hmm. somehow, with the amount yeah. of like moldy vegetables that are <laughs> sitting. Oh, but in I want to. I'm creating a subculture. I mean, an antibiotic. <laughs> I think I'm into that actually. Like, I think I might be one of those kinds of people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I should relinquish my shame. <laughs> Go clean more. I might be. Yeah, I might be into someone's fridge. Maybe that would be the second picture I would want to see of them. Yeah, and maybe. Fall in love with their with their milk with their oat milk. Their various condiments. Hell yeah! Yeah, I am into condiments. I, you are in drinks also. You like beverages, I think. Oh yeah, I I like to have at least two beverages going at a time. And yes. if I found others that were similar to me, well, it would be true love. I had a fun time having a. It was a by surprise conversation, and um, where I was hanging out with my friend, and he's really good at math, and uh, I'm not or I think of myself as someone who's not, but he's also really good at talking about thinking and understanding other people's processes of thought. He's my friend Brian, who's a Mm -hmm. philosopher who we talked about we're going to have on the show. But um, we were sitting there talking about math. We just like, we were drinking and we just like started doing math problems together. And he was really funny because he was like, I just want to see how you solve this problem. And he would write this problem out on this like scrap piece of paper on my kitchen table. And then I would do the problem and he would be like, can you walk me through how you're doing that problem? And I felt really nervous at first, but then he was so kind and like present to my process of solving the problem that 
I felt my like mathematical acumen increasing mm. and my like ability, I don't know, acumen, but my ability oh, to mutual do, support. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And then as I did a couple problems, he, then I watched him do a couple math problems and it was so interesting because the way we solved them were different. And what was super valuable is that he would be like, you know what, you're not solving this problem in the conventional way. You're actually solving it in your own way or in this like new way. It was, I was doing mental math and he was like, this is how they teach kids all over the place now. And I don't know if you like made it up or if you were taught this. And I'm like, I don't know. So then he asked me to solve it different problems in different ways. And he was like, I have no understanding at all of how you're doing this, but every problem you're solving in a totally different method. Mm. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure why this is happening. But all of a sudden, I felt like all this valuing of my own mm. intellectual process and, and sort of a healing of my yeah. scars from, you know, like being pretty good at math and then having the like conventional seventh mm -hmm. grade girl drop out of advanced math. And at the time, I like didn't really value it. But I remember going back and finding this paper with all of our math problems on it and just finding it really interesting and kind mm -hmm. of like this deep deep communion that we had shared and I really valued it you know it was really lovely yeah communion of a reasoning yeah yeah it was great well perhaps we should conclude our weekly broadcast if you like know of any recipes of herbal cigarettes you know send them to me yeah sage based in the market for sage based um, lavender based all sorts we'll see you you, oh, rather, again, you'll hear from us next week again. That's right. Keep tuning in. And if you have a Twitter or Instagram and you're listening, you should tweet or post about us. That's right. So we fall into more ears. We wish to. We wish yes. to enter more minds. So please help. <laughs> knock, knock. Knock, knock. <laughs> All right. Away we go. Sashay, sashay away. Ciao. Bye-bye.